like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. I'm doing something unusual today in that I'm welcoming back a Song of the Soul guest from just six months ago. Part of the reason that I'm doing it so quickly is that it was a rare opportunity to see Micah Summersmith face-to-face for our visit. Another is that, because of circumstances in Micah's life, this is a particularly fruitful time for powerful songs to emerge. And a third reason is that I just really like the way that Micah thinks, writes, sings, and plays music. Oh, and a fourth reason. Though you can hear Micah playing other instruments on his recordings, his weapon of choice is the accordion, and you have, perhaps, some idea of how rare it is to get young accordion players these days. Micah is a friend of my son, so I find it especially exciting to have him here today at the Friends General Conference Gathering at St. Joseph, Minnesota, the College of St. Benedict. Micah, welcome back again for Song of the Soul. Thank you. Very happy to have more lovely conversation with you, Mark. This has got to be some kind of a stress for you, though, to be away from home in this particular month. You want to explain to folks why? Well, my wife and I are expecting a baby. The official due date we are given is July 28. So that means that it's not likely, but it's possible that I might have to like jump up from this interview and go running out the door or mid-interview. But I've gone a week so far, and Claire Allen, my wife, is doing very well. I've been talking with her, and I think I'm going to make it home tomorrow evening, and then things can happen as they happen. Let's talk a little bit again about what you do. If people listen to the interview six months ago, they'll know that you're music director at Methodist Church in the Fox Valley region of Wisconsin. Tell people what you do at the Methodist Church. Sure. So it's a smallish but very dedicated and healthy congregation, and I work there as the music director. I accompany all of the congregational singing on the piano or organ. I was not an organist before coming there, so that's been an adventure and a learning experience for me. I choose all the music, and I direct the choir, and I direct a praise team that sings with the congregation. And I have just started, within this past few months, started working with a youth praise band, which has been lots of fun, and it's nice just feeding off of their enthusiasm and then directing the choir. And I also write anthems for the choir because that's something that I enjoy, as we'll get to. I've written lots of songs, a few of which I'll be playing today. It's a meaningful experience for me to have the opportunity to be able to participate in worship that way by writing music for the choir that we sing then on Sunday morning. 
What's the edgiest material you've included? The edgiest material? Yeah, Stairway to Heaven, perhaps? I've not done Stairway to Heaven. (laughs) I've done um, Freedom, Oh Freedom, which is a uh, South African freedom song. It was outside their comfort zone, certainly, but we had a good time. I think I played accordion with them on that. I try to stretch things, but I also try to not freak them out because I know that they're there because they love singing and because they want to be participating in worship in this way, which is very meaningful for them. So I'm I'm not at all interested in alienating them, but I am interested in stretching them to explore new things, new opportunities. I'm kind of thinking that what you're going to play here today is not going to stretch us. Could you have brought something to stretch the audience here at the Friends General Conference gathering? Well, the music at the church is, obviously, the church, it's it's a Methodist church, as you said, and as such, it's considerably more Christ-centered. The theology and worship there is more Christ-centered than what a lot of people here at FGC gathering are used to, and that's reflected in the music that I write for the church as well. Because while I strive to write music that's meaningful to me, personally, I'm also very aware that I'm part of a larger community and that I need to be serving my own spiritual needs as well as the needs of the community. So there are certainly very Christ-centered songs that we've done that some people here at Gathering might be uncomfortable with, perhaps. But I think they're not in the room at the moment, so you can cut loose as much as you All want. Right. Let's try and push our buttons. Why don't you get us started with one of your songs right away, Micah? What would you like to share first? Well, I'd like to start with a song that is not my own. I'd like to start with a song by Carrie Newcomer, who I'm sure many people in your audience are familiar with. I believe she's been on your show three times. I listened to one of her shows just fairly recently before coming here. But I'd like to do the song Geodes by Carrie Newcomer. And after I play it, I'll be happy to talk about why I chose this song. But here it is. You can't always tell one from another And it's best not to judge a book By its tattered cover I've found when I tried Or look deeper inside What appears unadorned Might be wondrously formed You can't always tell, but sometimes you just know. Round here we throw geodes in our gardens. They're as common as the rain, or corn silk in July. Unpretentious browns and grays The stain of Indiana clay There what's left of shallow seas Glacial rock and mystery And inside there shines a crystal bright as promise And all these things that we call familiar are just miracles wrapped up in the commonplace you'll see 
Sometimes right, that's the truth And you can always tell But sometimes you just know Some say geodes are made from pockets of tears Trapped away in small places for years upon years Pressed down and transformed till the true self was born And the whole world moved on like the last notes of a song a love letter sent without return address And you can't always tell one from another And it's best not to judge a book by its tattered cover I don't open them to see folks around here just like me we have come to believe there's hidden good in common things You can't always tell, but sometimes you just know You can't always tell, but sometimes you just know A wonderful song, Geodes, written by Carrie Newcomer and performed here today by Micah Summersmith on your accordion, which uh, would you say that these days it is your instrument of choice? I mean, if you could play accordion at the Methodist Church regularly, would you? I do play it semi-regularly at the Methodist Church. It's certainly an instrument with limitations, but for my own personal songwriting, more and more in the past few years, I've come to lean on it as my primary instrument when I'm performing on my own. But lots of people at the church would be very disappointed if I did not play the piano or the organ at all and only played the accordion. I think that would get a little tired, and I think I would get a little tired of that too. But when I do get a chance to play, it's a great joy. And when did you pick up the accordion? I think piano was your first instrument. Yes, some people in the room can attest that I was forced into piano lessons at a young age, which was a good thing, which was a Before very good thing. Before the age of reason? <laughs> it certainly felt like somebody was not being reasonable. But um, no, music was a very important thing in our household. And piano, uh, I think I was seven, eight years old when I started playing piano. And then in fifth grade band, I had to find an instrument. My mother is here. She probably doesn't remember this. But my recollection is that I wanted to play the drums. 
and she told me that I should play a real instrument. <laughs> With no offense to any drummers anywhere, those are not my words, or at least my no recollection of someone else. You. you know, you know, there must just be a story that was invented. But anyway, I played the trumpet. I was awful. So a few months into fifth grade, you know, you expect a fifth grader to be awful. No offense to fifth graders, but you obviously start at the bottom. But it was very clear to most people that I was an extremely poor trumpet player, even by fifth grade standards. So then I went to the euphonium, and then I started with the guitar in, in junior high, and then in high school I started playing the accordion. And where did you get your first accordion? I got one at a thrift sale one day for $25. There was a store in my hometown, if I remember correctly, a used clothing store slash dry cleaners slash tanning salon slash travel agency slash music supply store. And it was was called Wright's All-in-One Shop. It's very sadly no longer in operation. But I would buy my guitar strings and my guitar stuff there when I was playing guitar. And I go in and there's this accordion that I'm playing right now was sitting there. And the guy said, you know, I I never play it anymore. So it was an extremely good deal for the condition that it's in. Accordions get a lot of insults these days. There was a period in I don't know, 1950s, certainly I think 60s, when they still would have been a very popular mm-hmm. instrument. Mm-hmm. Have you had anyone walk out when you pulled out your accordion? Well, I play at an outdoor flea market on Saturday mornings in Wisconsin where I live. And there are vendors who come over and tell me to move, tell me to leave because they don't like accordion music. Well, I'm glad you play it. And actually, because I'm an international folk dancer, I wish you were in the folk dance band all the time because it's such a wonderful instrument for so much of the Balkan and other music. But that's not all you play. You play pianos and organs when forced to. I don't know. Maybe you could even pull out a euphonium and play it. But um, That's not going to happen today. But uh... <laughs> Okay. But what are you going to play next? Now I've got my own songs. I wanted to start with that Carrie Newcomer song because it sort of embodies what I've started trying to do in my own songwriting, which I didn't necessarily think of all that much before, but I've become a lot more conscious about what I'm doing when I'm writing songs. She has an approach that I think really epitomizes what I'm trying to do, which is that in this song, especially and in lots of other songs, she's doing what I think artists are really supposed to do, which is notice things. She's taken this object, the geode, which uh, for her in in Indiana, excuse me, is common all over the place. And she's taken the time to notice it and pull something out of the experience of just being with it, really, I think. And through that, the song suddenly reveals that while she's talking about geodes, she's also talking about something else. And she's talking about now how when she says, we've come to believe there's hidden good in common things and in common people. And it's, it's a very Quaker idea, right, of the, that of God within everyone. But I don't think she, I haven't talked to her about this song, clearly, but I don't think that she sat down with the intent of writing a song about that of God in everyone. I think she sat down with the intention of writing a song about geodes, and that's what emerged out of it. I could be wrong about that, but if I had written that song, that's what would have happened. Why don't I do two songs in a row here? I have a couple of my songs where that's what happened. It started with noticing something that just stuck in my mind, and I chased that as far as it would go, and suddenly I found that I was talking about something else. So I'm going to do the song about glass, and I'm going to do a new song, which is called You Are a Guest. (laughs) 
If you shine a bright light through a sheet of glass or hard plastic, you reveal tiny scratches and cracks like magic. What seemed a perfectly smooth surface proves to be etched with the record of every past accident. The scrape of a car key, the tap-tap of a wedding ring, the just passing by of some hard-edged anything. All leave their puny but permanent marks that you can barely feel, let alone see in the dark. But the glass stands, right? I mean, it's scratched, but it stands, doing its job. It's fulfilling our plans as a flawed, yes, but fully functional friend. Maybe keeps the wind out, maybe keeps the warm in, protects us from the weather or whatever, or each other. Just clear enough, we can pretend it's not there. There's nothing between us but air. We could reach out and touch each other if we cared to dare, though usually we're happier to just sit and stare. Content in this illusion of an intimate togetherness of all the connection that we never get around to but could do if we wanted to if we're feeling sentimental we don't make contact but someday we might we really believe this till we shine that bright light and when we shine the light that's when we realize the truth we see the walls around us we see how we're removed we wonder now who put them up was it me was it you was it some sadistic stranger we never knew it doesn't matter they're there it's a truth you can't fight truth you reveal when you shine that bright light what you see don't blame the light for showing it you don't like the truth don't blame yourself for knowing it but the fact of the cracks reveals what could be if the glass can be scratched and so easily then the glass could be shattered and maybe should be if we if we wanted to we could take out our hammers start swinging send spraying shards of silicate shrapnel smash them and crush them till they're nothing but rubble and we drop our hammers stand panting seeing double and yes we will cut ourselves yes we will bleed yes we will have a brave new mess to clean and we'll see each other in a way that we've never seen we'll be seen in a way that we've never been will we like what we see who knows lord knows what the walls down will we'll be completely exposed and it might be windy and it might be cold but when we need warmth we'll have each other to hold century 
Then I heard a tiny voice that seemed to say to me Everything you see This whole majestic view These mountains and these canyons They were not made for you It all came long before And it will last for longer too No, this is not your home So while you're passing through Be gracious, be courteous And whatever you do Clean up after yourself You are a guest Back in the beginning When Yahweh looked around At his creation The forests and the seas And skies and land He saw that it was good So he gave himself a hand But Yahweh still was lonely So he made himself a friend Formed up from the dust And filled with holy breath Yahweh said I think that this one here Might be the best but his new friend looked around with eyes as greedy as death So Yahweh looked into those eyes and this is what he said Everything you see This whole majestic view This paradise, this Eden place It was not made for you It all came Courteous and whatever you do, clean up after yourself. You are a guest. So the last song you just heard, You Are a Guest, and before that, Song About Glass, both by Micah Summersmith. The last one, as you just mentioned, it's a new recording. It's just something that I think is going to emerge either in a month or in three years. <laughs> yes. But the first song, Song About Glass, is actually from Goat Songs. That's right. And because there might be someone listening who doesn't know what a goat song is, could you explain it? Sure. So I learned this in college for my music major at Earlham College. I had to take a certain number of credits, of fine arts credits, outside the music department, just as a requirement for the music major. They wanted a little bit of well-roundedness there. And so my senior year, I took basically an introduction to theater class. We were learning about the kinds of ancient Greek theater, which we started with. Of course, the main two types are tragedy and comedy. And I learned in the textbook that the word tragedy, etymologically, comes from the phrase goat song. Nobody's quite clear why, if there was like a goat sacrificial ritual associated with it or, or something else. So then fortuitously, at the same time I learned about that, and I was thinking, wow, tragedy, goat song. This was just turning over in my mind. I was also taking a creative writing class and one of the prompts was uh, write something about, I think it was fear, disappointment, or shame. And I took that fairly broadly, and I ended up writing a poem called Goat Song, 
which then I, I recorded myself speaking and put it on this album, Goat Songs, which came sort of out of that. So, yeah, it means tragedy. This song is one of the maybe less tragic on the album. The album's not really particularly tragic. I sort of moved away from a literal interpretation. Well, we're going to write about tragedies. But I found that I was writing a lot of songs about yearning, about trying and sort of failing to be the best kind of person you could be about the barriers in this particular song, which started off just a song about glass and what, what happens when light shines through glass when I was on a city bus in the middle of the night. suddenly turned out to be a song about the barriers that we put up between ourselves and how we pretend that they're not there, but when we shine a particular kind of light on them, then they're revealed. And the song, You Are a Guest, did that start as a song about flying in airplanes? It certainly did. I was flying to California to visit a dear friend from college, and I looked down over the Rocky Mountains, and I was just completely struck because it was, it was almost absurd because I had this view. For starters, it's kind of strange that that, that you're looking at, that you could either in a photo that you can see, like here it's this big, or that you can see outside of an airplane and it looks like you could just step out and walk on them. But they're actually, you're looking across hundreds of miles. And so it struck me that the fact that I was there in an airplane looking at them was a complete accident of history. And it sort of felt like I didn't deserve to have this view of the Rocky Mountains, that it wasn't part of the plan of, if there is a plan to the universe, that I would have this view. So then that spun into... I looked back at the creation story and in Genesis, in the Old Testament, and God creates the world for God's self, it seems. I use male pronouns in the song, but God creates the world sort of for its own sake, and then he creates humanity to put on the world. And certainly from a, an evolutionary perspective, I mean, that's how it happened too. The world was here a very long time before we arrived. And so this world was not made for us. That's what I came from it. And when I did it in the songwriters group, somebody objected to me saying, you know, this is not your home, that that it was sort of a little bit bleak that like, well, do we not deserve to even be here at all? Really, all I can say is that that was the feeling, that was the visceral feeling that I had at that time. That's where the song went. Is there some sense that we could get evicted? I think that self-eviction is a, is a real possibility. I think that we need to be a lot more careful about how we're living with and in and around the earth, or else we're going to cause a lot of trouble for ourselves. I think it's George Carlin, the comedian, who was famous for his pretty abrasive manner, so I won't reproduce the language that he used when he was talking about this. But basically, like, he said, you know, we're talking about save the world, save the world, save the world. The world is going to be fine. It's us who we have to save. Certainly that's not exactly true on a micro level where we can see the damage that we're doing to other life and to individual species and, and et cetera. But the world as a whole system will figure out some way of continuing but we're causing a lot of trouble for ourselves and for a lot of other folks. Well, I have a theological question to ask you, and it has to do with your first song and some of the streams theology I heard in these last two songs. I'm going to ask you to explain the concept as you hold it, if you hold it, of you know that of God in all. Right after, I remind our listeners that you are tuned in to Song of the Soul, which is a Northern Spirit Radio production, on the web at northernspiritradio.org, where you'll find 11 years of our programs for free listening and download. You'll find previous interview that I did with Micah Summersmith. 
You'll also find links to our guests. So when you want to get a hold of Micah, you can find that link on nordenspiritradio.org. Further information about all of our guests. There's a place to post comments. Please post a comment when you visit. It shows us what you're thinking about, what your reactions are. So please do visit and post a comment. There's also a place to donate. This is full-time work. It's not supported by the corporations, and we're not getting money from government. It's by your support that this happens. But even more important than supporting Northern Spirit Radio is to support your local community radio stations. Alternative forms of information are so crucial to the health of our society. So for music and for news, having those alternative channels is crucial. So please support your local community radio station. They bring you alternative and local, increasingly important, local information. Start out by supporting them. Micah Summersmith is here. We're in St. Joseph, Minnesota. We're at university here, the College of St. Benedict, for a yearly thing that's called Friends General Conference Gathering. It moves all around the country. Right now, there's about a thousand of us on this campus, Quakers visiting, having a good time. Good time for us consists of singing tragedies, things like goat songs. <laughs> you know, we really have a wonderful time here, and one of the wonderful things is that sometimes our friends bring their accordions with them, and there's all kinds of dance music, and a noon sing where Micah was playing today and earlier this week. I've loved having his music added to that. It's been so much fun. It's been a real privilege to be able to play with Annie and Peter Blood Patterson, and who just released, compiled and released this songbook, Rise Again, which is a follow-up to their songbook, Rise Up Singing, which has been around for decades by now, I believe, and has become a really vital part of the American folk music landscape. And now they've got this other book, which is also wonderful. And I've been, it's been a real privilege to get to play along with them and learn these songs from this book, these incredible songs that are going to stay with me. And I think when I have a few moments, when I get back home, I'm going to get that book out again, and I'm going to go online and start finding videos and just getting more acquainted with this treasure trove that they've given us. So I told you that there's a theological question. So explain for those who don't already have a sense of it, that of God in everyone. What the heck does that mean? Well, the nice thing about being an artist and a songwriter in particular is that you can write songs about these very complicated topics, and then you hopefully don't have to talk about them. You just let the songs speak for themselves. But since you asked, <laughs> so if anyone listening is not familiar with Quakerism, it's a movement that came out of England uh, in the 17th century, particularly associated with many individuals, but particularly a man named George Fox, whose sort of central breakthrough, it seems to me, was that divine if you want to call it divine revelation, he talked about Christ a lot, was that the presence of Christ is accessible to anyone and that we're all sort of co-equals. At his time, he was reacting against a very hierarchical church structure. And he said, well, you know, we don't need priests or whoever to interpret the word of God or to make available the presence of God for us because the presence of God is within all of us. And that's something that's resonated very powerfully with me. And one thing that resonates very powerfully for me is your songs, and you've got some incredible ones coming up. Keep our palettes wetted. What's next, Micah? I'll play another one of my songs. I've been talking about sort of metaphor and the various levels that these songs operate on, and like Carrie Newcomer's song, these two songs of mine, I think, sort of operated where I started out talking about one thing, and then I moved on to talking about another thing. Here's a song, it's called Where Does a Tree Come From, that I wrote fairly recently, actually, just last month, I think. 
And it started off with me thinking about where a tree comes from. I decided with this song, I could tell that I was going somewhere else, and I made the conscious decision to stop just before I got to that place. So hopefully when you're listening to this song, maybe you take that little extra step and you go that little bit farther. But I decided in this case just not to. So this is a song about trees. Somebody once said to me, while holding a small acorn seed, hiding inside is a mighty oak tree. Waiting to grow even though we can't see One day standing as tall as can be For a tree it comes from a seed But then somebody else said to me No, no, it doesn't just come from a seed a tree's roots gather nutrients up from the deep Which get stitched into branches and flowers and leaves So it doesn't just come from a seed No, it comes from the earth underneath Then another someone said to me No, 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 not from the earth underneath Moisture, my boy, is the thing a tree needs Rain from the clouds and the clouds from the sea So a tree doesn't come from beneath No, it's clear that it comes from the sea said to me, Micah, the truth is as strange as can be. The air that is carried around on the breeze, the very same air we exhale when we breathe. It's our breath that makes up a tree. So a tree comes from you and from me. Yes, it's our breath that makes up a tree. A tree comes from you and from me. Where does a tree come from? Micah Summersmith here in person for Song of the Soul today. But you said it stopped short. There's somewhere you were going, and the next step is... No, don't give it away. <laughs> we'll make them do their own work. Absolutely, absolutely. I can talk a little bit about my process. I mean, I was thinking about, I actually, this is another case, I wasn't thinking about that farther step. I was actually thinking about where plants come from in general, actually, while I was working on a farm. 
I volunteer for a community-supported agriculture share on an organic farm near Princeton, Wisconsin, where I live. It's called Borson Farm, and I work with the vegetables once a week. And uh, I was thinking about where these plants come from, because obviously, on the one hand, we have the image. It's a, a very common image that's used poetically of the seed. Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which grows from this tiny little thing. And it's fairly miraculous to me that this happens. I mean, you know, this question of like, I think about this all the time, like, is a seed alive? Because a seed has life sort of stored within it. uh, And when you give it the right conditions, there it comes. But obviously, it's factually impossible for something as massive as a tree to only come out of something as small as a seed. And obviously, there's more that goes into it than that. And so that's the train of thought that started to get elaborated more in my mind and that I decided to stop just short of exploring farther. And you said this was just a month ago. This hasn't been released at all. This Here's a recording of you doing it. But when is your panting public going to be able to get a hold of this? Well, they could just listen to this Northern Spirit Radio interview over and over again. <laughs> um, and we recommend it highly. And uh, I suppose if you're tech savvy, you could get the audio and just trim out my little song. But um, you're not supposed to give those. <laughs> you don't give them clues about that. Yes. <laughs> so I've been working on new material. I sort of have found myself with these two very, very different strains of material that I'm working on right now. I'm working on very uplifting music that's going to be extremely wonderful to listen to with the whole family. And then there's also going to be some other stuff that you shouldn't play for your kids. So I'm figuring out how exactly to best present these two streams of music. So I don't know when you're going to hear this in another form, but hopefully it'll be soon. Well, what I want to hear right now is another one of your gems. All right. Please treat us to one. Okay. I have this common thread that I've been talking about, the, you know, the, the metaphor and the various layers. Here's one. So in the previous one, I decided to stop short of going where I was going. In this one, I very consciously decided to stop and veer in another direction because I didn't like where the metaphor was taking me. It's something very important to keep in mind that metaphors are not arguments and they are not facts. Obviously, they're very powerful, and they can be used to deceive, I think. And so I found myself deceiving myself while writing this song, and so I stopped, and I changed direction. And you'll hear me going down that direction and stopping and changing direction in this song. It's called Song About the Young. It's been said that the growth of an organism from zygote to adult recapitulates the evolution of its species as a whole. So from our vestigial gills to our embryonic tails to the way we've walk and speak and learn for a window into the past look to the young but it's also been said that our children are the future holding the hopes of tomorrow in their tiny 
precious hands And when we are dead and gone They will carry on So for a window into the future Look to the young Now isn't it something that When you look in the eyes of the future You'll see the past a child myself I never felt like the hope of the future I certainly never felt like some key to the past I would have been happy to tell exactly how I felt but if I recall Song about the young, Micah Summersmith. Your website, it's Bandcamp, right? Bandcamp is, yeah, bandcamp.com is a website where anybody can upload their music and host it, and you can decide how much you want to let or make people pay for it, and they take a small portion of it, but it's very supportive to artists, and it's a lot of fun. So if you go to micasummer.bandcamp.com, that's M-I-C-A-H-S-O-M-M-E-R.bandcamp.com, and you can find all of my music. Now you can download anything for free, or you can give me money if you want to. Giving them money wouldn't be a bad idea also. So Song for the Young is one of the songs that may make its way up there soon. It's actually part of the Goat Songs album, so it is there. So Song for the Young by Micah Summersmith. And I know our time goes by far too quickly when I'm talking to you. I have 10 or 20 other important theological questions that I'm expecting you to resolve. (laughs) but, But maybe we'll do that on another day. So I'm going to turn right around and ask you for some more of your music. Sure. There's not really a whole lot of metaphor in this next one. It happened. It was a very powerful experience, and I wrote a song about it. Here's the song. It's called Incandescent. Sonogram technician leads us to a darkened room Your mother sits herself upon the throne And specialized machinery shines sound waves through her womb To dive into the deep and dark unknown We've heard your muffled heartbeat She may have felt you move You've been buried deep inside so long We've got compelling evidence But now we want the proof What if we were crazy, we were wrong 
So we train our eyes upon that grainy view We wait for you to make your big debut And there's your spine Micah Summersmith, my guest here today for Song of the Soul, Incandescent. Yes, it's a fact. Actually, what happened is my wife hadn't heard the music, and this song I knew in particular would touch her because it was making me cry. I listened to it several times this morning, and particularly when you hit that line, and there's your spine, and I'm yours, my child, and you are mine. That That's right here in my heart with my son, your friend. Mm-hmm. 
who I've been carrying in my heart, and now that he's five inches taller than I am, that's a very crowded locale these days. <laughs> powerful song for me, Micah, powerful. This is addressed to your child. Yes. I noticed you didn't mention the pieces of the anatomy, which you're going to tell me whether it's a boy or a girl. And interestingly enough, by the way, I have my stepson, Joseph, is a doctor. He's participated in all of that. When they were having their kid, they made sure that specifically they were blocked for knowing whether it was a boy or a girl coming out. They checked out the ultrasound, but that's it. What's your reaction to all that? So this is something, when I say this, I might seem a little flippant, but this is actually something that I care very deeply about. When I tell people that we don't know the gender of our child, they say, oh, so it's going to be a surprise. And I want to say, well, it's only a surprise if you care. There's so much baggage. It's understandable because this is one of the very few things that we think we can know about a person when they're an infant and when they're not even born yet. You know, what do you get? When the child is born, you get the name, and usually implicit from the name or from the color of the stationery, or maybe it says it explicitly, whether we see it as a boy or a girl, and then you get what, how long it is and how much it weighs. And that's like, those are the data points, the seemingly objective data points that you have at the beginning. So I think it's very natural that people cling to that and they, they get really invested But for me personally, I mean, that's just, it's an important part of who a person is, but it's not, I don't think it should be a defining part of who they are. And so I'm trying as much as possible to see my child as a whole person who is not defined by those very arbitrary things that we want them to be assigned by. Obviously, I'm at least a generation older than you, Micah, but I was on the same path actually before Chris was born. We had picked out the name, and that was, I think, before ultrasound. Uh, Certainly, we didn't have an ultrasound. So I didn't know what gender was coming out. It didn't matter. We picked a name, Chris Leslie, which we knew would work for either case. And if we had had another child, it would have been Robin Lee. We were prepared, whatever. So exactly those questions. We told people, here's Chris Leslie, weighs this much, is this tall? And then they all are saying, yeah, but was it a boy or a girl? And our response, including we sent this into Friends Journal, we said, if you want to know what gender Chris is, come and change a diaper. (laughs) (laughs) It can whet their appetite. (laughs) So anyway, I applaud you for not limiting or defining overly much your expectation or the child? Well, I think it's a fairly well understood fact that principles and practical life living are not always aligned. This is one element where I am going to try to live by my principles as much as possible, and everybody out there is telling me that that's going to fall away real soon. But I'm hoping it won't, because I want to give, I want to give my child the upbringing that I think my child deserves. We'll see how it shakes out. I'm looking so forward to watching you over the years with your child. I look forward to watching that blossom in you. All right, anytime you want to change some diapers, (laughs) you know, we're not that far away from you. (laughs) It's true. You can drop your child accordion. That would be a good name for a child. (laughs) The child couldn't help but feel some competition there then (laughs) for my affection. Do you love your other accordion more than me? (laughs) So a beautiful song, Incandescent. 
We've got time for one more. Micah, how do you want to conclude this Song of the Soul? Well, I've just spent a week here at the FGC gathering, and it's been a wonderful week. And I found at some point or another, I found it useful to, to think of my time in weeks because when you're trying to plan for the future or you know for any level of future, sometimes the immediate future, like in an hour or whatever, is not quite in your control. And, of course, the way long-term future, well, you know, anything could change. So thinking in terms, living your life in terms of weeks, and, of course, obviously, as a church musician, I'm doing that anyway. I'm, I'm thinking in weeks all the time. So I wrote this song called My Goals for This Week. I feel like if I let myself down with meeting these goals, there is always next week. And I've found that here at the gathering, basically my goals for this week at the gathering have been more or less the same as my goals set out in this song. So I'll end, I'll end things. Thank you so much, Mark. It's been a real delight to talk to you again, and hopefully uh, we'll have a chance sometime again soon. I'll end things with a song called My Goals for This Week. Thank you so much, Micah. Again, Micah Summersmith. You'll find a link to micasummer.bandcamp.com on the nordenspiritradio.org website. Final song, My Goals for This Week, and we'll see you next week for Song of the Soul. I've made some goals for this week. These are my goals for this week. Eat when I'm hungry and don't when I'm not. Drink when I'm thirsty and don't when I'm not. Sleep when I'm tired and don't when I'm not. Run when I'm wired and don't when I'm not. Smile when I'm cheerful and don't when I'm not. Cry when I'm tearful and don't when I'm not. Doubt when I'm doubtful and don't when I'm not. Speak when I'm thoughtful and don't when I'm not. And sing as long as there's breath in my body And dance as long as there's life in my bones And shine a bright light when I see a dark place in the world These are my goals for this week The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson And it's called Song of the Soul My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy. So